Hello, welcome back to Two Pals on a Pod, episode 59. This week, we're going to be talking the Yorkshire Ripper, a serial killer, uh, somebody who killed 13 women. He made it into double digits, killed many women, and we're going to be talking through his horrific crimes, the things he's done. Uh, he is from our neck of the woods, Yorkshire. Um, so we obviously got tales to tell about him, inside knowledge on the guy, on the geezer. Uh, so look forward to our extra bits of information as well uh, during this um, this interesting podcast. I and mean, we've got loads to talk about once again. Um, you know, I think first of all, we should talk about who he was and his sort of early life. I mean, five foot eight, I thought was quite noticeable. <laughs> Do you think that maybe led to these crimes? Yeah, I, I saw there was a story actually in the paper this week that I was reading about how uh, shorter men uh, are actually angrier. Short men syndrome is not just a stereotype, it's actually scientifically true, and that's a fact. And um, we've got more evidence for that cause, but we're never one to shy away from nitty-gritty topics. Mm-hmm. Ghislaine last week. We're not doing our bit for Yorkshire, though. You know, the old Savile and now Sutcliffe. Yeah, you know, people... all the big ones. If if you if you get your news exclusively from this podcast, as I'm sure many people do, the faces of Yorkshire is basically us two, and then Sutcliffe and Savile, so yeah. not necessarily ideal. Yeah, fifty fifty, isn't it really? Half of us aren't serial killers or paedophiles. Who the half are? Yes, for now. That's, that's what the stats are saying. Never know. Um, so, yeah, so we his early life. We we should get onto this. Apparently, his childhood, there was no abnormalities. You know, we talk about Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and we talk about the sort of early signs, the abnormalities when they were younger. Apparently, when the Yorkshire Ripper, Peter Sutcliffe, um, was a kid, there was no abnormalities, according to those that knew him, which I think that's an interesting starting point. Especially with, like you said, the references to the other serial killers that we've seen. But also, they say, oh, there's no kind of abnormalities there, and then he develops... An obsession with like voyeurism. You think what that he does, doesn't he? Yeah, that seems to me to be slightly abnormal. But then again, maybe you know these days, I'm sure voyeurism is some kind of protected characteristic. Probably the LGBTV community will get on my back about that. You never know. (laughs) And you can say that. I can. I'm I'm playing that card, and 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 I'm I'm coming here this week, and I'm saying it on your behalf. Mm -hmm. You're thinking it. I'm saying it. You're the brain. I've told you to say it always. Yeah, I know you've got strong feelings about this. Yeah, I think no, uh, no abnormalities there, apparently. And, His you know, dad, though, was an alcoholic, which I think, you know, something. Bit, bit of abuse, physical mm. abuse there. But I think as, as bad as it sounds back then, probably normal. It gave him a bit of a whipping, sla- a smashed mm. glasses on his head, apparently, as well. So That's definitely nice abusive. Part of the course in the, was it, 70s, whenever he was growing up. The good old 60s. days, yeah. Back when you could get away with that sort of thing. Back when you could literally do anything you wanted and nobody cared. Send a kid to buy a pack of cigarettes, be a paedophile. Nobody cared. Like no, yeah. nobody actually cared at that point. Anyone, you got away with it willy nilly. Like no one did care. You could go to the shops and pick and mix with a quid and come back with change. Those exactly. Days. I mean, a quid could buy the shop back then. Do you know what I mean, you could be casually racist. Yeah. Gay God. people didn't exist. Was everybody was straight. Mm, everyone. Everybody was straight and everybody was kicking around in flares. Yeah. What a time to be alive. That Perfect. Take 70s. me back. The 70s. Serial killer era. Come on. You no, know, when people ask that hypothetical question, if you could go back to one period of time throughout history, what would it be? And you get people like, I go back to the Roman times and have a conversation with Julius Caesar. Yeah. I go to Top of the Pops, 1970s. Yeah. Gary Glitter, Jimmy, Jimmy Savile. All the big what ones. Are you get, what are you getting up to? What don't we know? Get you what backstage. How old would you be when you go back, though? Twelve. 
I'd You'd moonlight as a twelve-year-old yeah. girl, and I'd be, you know, expose. There'd be no point otherwise, would there? No point. You got to live it to the full, haven't you? I can't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to exercise my privilege. No. No. Good. I'm point. aware of that. I'm aware of that. So moving on from abuse, he was obviously abused as uh, as a child. Um, but it was interesting yeah. that, as you say, um, he went into moved into sort of progressed into voyeurism, which is progressed. quite interesting. Yeah, he sort of progressed from being progressed. abused to voyeurism and then abuser. Step back of him. Yeah. Well, it depends what scale. It depends what axis is your scale. You know. Um, he also became a grave digger as well. Now, I like this idea of being a grave digger because I used to live next to a graveyard and so I'd see the grave diggers dig up a body, chuck them out, put a new one in, that kind of thing. And I think it's an interesting job. I think it's like, you know, how do you get into that line of work? Do you know what I mean? Do you come yeah. from a line of grave diggers? Does that it's get passed down? It's interesting. Like, I did a week's work experience in grave digging. school as a grave digger. Mm-hmm. That's a great <laughs> week's worth of uh, work experience, though, isn't it? Do you want to see some yeah, dead bodies? People are, we were forced. Do you remember when we were forced at a sixth form or whatever to do a week's work experience? And yeah. I couldn't be asked finding any stuff the week off. It was Did like July. Actually... Yeah, it was like July. I had a... I had a week's work experience being unemployed. That was my did work you... experience. <laughs> but did you lie to them about it? Because you had to come up with something. Yeah, I just said I was going to work with my mum. Right. Okay. So that so you just lied about it on the week yeah. off. I don't remember you doing that actually. But what yeah. I what I did for my week of work experience, I convinced them to allow me to make designs for a week because I was doing <laughs> designs at the time on like Photoshop. So I was like, well, yeah, I'll just be I'll just be a graphic designer for a week. So I got my work experience was with myself as a graphic designer, <laughs> which so there's like um foreshadowing there exactly self-employment which exactly. you have fallen into and it's because of that week's work experience yeah uh, i but back on to grave digging yeah, sorry sorry back to uh peter Sutcliffe, the Yorkshire yeah Pepper. so worked grave as a grave digger. digger and that's really where he got into the whole bodies thing really sort of got Probably. built a taste for it do you know what i mean really got a taste for it and he then started spying on sex workers and men mm. seeking sex workers as well. Now, mm. I just imagine him in bushes, pair of binoculars. Right. Like, how do you spy on the job? Is it... I don't know why I'm asking you as if you know, but you did do bird watching, which is sort of binocular based. Well, he was bird watching in a way. So, <laughs> Well, let's not use but, that term. Uh, I... <laughs> the B word. Women. Yeah. Just, women. Sorry. Sorry to any women. Uh, yeah, no, I don't understand. Like, There are apparently i didn't know this certain places in certain towns where you can go and pick up women and obviously now you have a few uh, cities that have it's, it's legal in few red light red light district there's one in leeds type of thing yeah there is uh, outside yours uh well, let's but, not. But, but we, we should we should actually do a podcast we should go through it doing a podcast what like <laughs> just like just comment undercover something like that isn't it? just, just yeah. walk through the street i don't know what it, i've never been to the street before i don't know what it is where it is get, like it we'll is. get a sex worker on the podcast maybe just have a little chat with them, like just sort of like a, a live podcast, just walking through the street. I bet they've got some interesting stories to tell. But Probably. Anyway. You would imagine. Probably. But, but sex yeah, workers, it. spying on sex so, workers. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, I there's certain places in certain towns that you can go to where they have these unofficial areas and streets where you can basically pick up sex workers if you're looking for that, obviously. And this is pre-kind of websites. I imagine there's websites for that. Definitely Probably. haven't spoken to any men on dating apps off of those websites definitely not definitely not that was an accident <laughs> but yeah he develops this obsession seeks them out and then obviously it's only going to go one way it's kind of the foot in the door gradual kind of thing you know you're spying on sex workers long before you kind of bite the bullet and maybe engage with sex workers because everybody has this kind of desire sexual desire not necessarily for sex workers but for sex in general yeah i think he then 
he started working as a lorry driver, didn't he? And I think there's perhaps something that went on there uh, because he progressed from grave digger to lorry driver. Is that is that a promotion? Is it a demotion? Up to your own opinions on that. But, you know, one's working with dead bodies. The other is perhaps running over people and creating dead bodies. I don't know. Sticking the dead bodies in the back of the lorry is what they Maybe. Do. Maybe smuggling bodies for somebody through Jeremy, borders. Jeremy Clarkson got in trouble on, when he was on Top Gear for making a joke about lorry drivers uh, murdering women. So... But that's funny. Why? Why did he get the woke karate? Yeah, <laughs> the woke karate got at him, and uh, yeah, can't say anything nowadays, can you? A few Ofcom complaints. You can't, can't say anything. Great, you can't denigrate a whole kind of a profession these you, days. Yeah, without, you, you can. That the woke karate. Get. It was like it was like twenty years ago. Anyway, yeah, twisted obsession with voyeurism, right? Female prostitutes. So Cliff, we, we, there's a tangent this week, isn't it? This is like if that's if, fine. if ADHD had a, an outlet, it would be this podcast. This but week. I'm enjoying I like it. it. I like it. We don't want to talk about Peter Sutcliffe for all 24-7. I mean, we've got other things we want to slip in. Let's talk about Jeremy Clarkson for 30 seconds. Exactly. I like him, personally. I like Clarkson's farm. Check it out. (laughs) 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 So so he works as... (laughs) Instead of this. So he worked as a lorry driver. And that's perhaps... Jeremy Clarkson? No. Oh, we're back to... Sorry, yeah. yeah, Uh, This is perhaps how he got intertwined with sex workers, is is the theory. So there's question marks as to whether did he hire sex workers as a lorry driver, or did he have a bad experience with one? There is some rumours that he got conned by a pimp, I think is what they call them in the... In the it's like a granddad say a pimp, I believe. I think called. I've just heard a pimp my ride. I don't know, some different thing. I've dressed as a pimp. Uh, I bet you have. On uh, on Halloween at uh, uni. Yeah. That is scary. That's what does a pimp dress like? I've been dressed like a saddle. So like velvet robe. Think Hugh Hefner. Okay. With a with a pimp stick. Oh, okay, so a staff, basically to hit people with or what? to walk whip people with. Maybe. Whip. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. And it, I think another part of his of his personal life that we should cover, aside from him being a grave digger, lorry driver, and having these no sort of early experiences potentially uh, as a sex worker, he he also got married to Sonia as well in 1947. Now, I think it's First worth mentioning. Yeah, Sonia, babes. Um, Sonia, <laughs> she's still alive. God bless her. Uh, got married in 1974. Lovely. She had an affair with an ice cream dran- van that. driver. Now, all that. Now, I think this is this is wrong. He was a grave, a perfectly respectable grave digger at the time, I think, or lorry driver. I'm not sure. And yeah. she got with, yeah, Mr. Oh, Whippy that. or whatever. Like she got with the bloke who hands out the ice creams. No, yeah. like funny about that. From sixty nine to ninety nine, so <laughs> <you> could say. <laughs> so she got with Dave, the dodgy van driver. Ice cream. Mr. Whippy. Driver. She got with Mr. Whippy. Fair enough. Yeah. So she, she. <laughs> I just think no, she's got with he's an ice cream van driver. I just like the fact that that was the part that they said. They didn't say his name. It was yeah. she had an affair with an ice cream, an ice cream van, van driver. It's almost like they know it's absurd. Yeah, that's but... the story, doesn't it? But this, I imagine, must have annoyed him. But I think they stayed together. He probably didn't care, did he? Maybe he didn't care. Didn't find. Didn't find out for a while. I don't know. He was. He was preoccupied. Busy. If you thought what she was doing behind his back was bad, no. Wait until you find out what here. Wait until you find out, Sonia. <laughs> yeah. right, he's getting his own back. Oh, so, right. first assault, okay, which was in 1969. This goes on for quite a while, this, by the way. This goes summer on. Summer of for, Love, 1969. So yeah. In the summer then. of 69. Wasn't that Ted Bundy as well? Didn't, or was that Jeffrey Dahmer who started that? That was, that was Brian Adams. No, I'm just, I don't yeah. know. I can't remember which yeah. one. I'm sure one of them started yeah. in 69. I think Dahmer was a bit. Oh, yeah, I don't know. 
Bundy sure. maybe was Bundy gives me sixties vibes. That was the era era of the serial killer, wasn't it? It really was like the good old days of seventies. Kind of get away with it then. You could. It was kind of a bit sexy as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Bundy was, yeah. Bundy was. Well, I don't know why people have an obsession with him. He's he's not even that good looking. Okay. Don't slag him off. I'm just saying, like, I mean, not that good looking. I wish we get had a better looking serial killer. Get him a billboard. What I'm saying is 1969. The first assault was with a female sex worker. Okay. Now he has like a common, a sort of classic way of doing these killings, as, as we're going to see. Absolutely vintage, yeah, vintage. Yeah, throughout these killings, he does it basically the same way every single time. Hits them over the head, and this time, not with a hammer though, as he will go on to do. Yeah. He started off basic, a stone in a sock. Yeah. It's like and caveman. Caveman, caveman yeah. vibe, yeah, exactly. It's then I can think of worse uses salt. for a sock. Mm-hmm. Go on. Looking around. Yeah, well, I, think, I can think of them, I won't say them, but I can think of them, you know. Oh. You can share with the group if you want. Let's, let's not turn this into a therapy session, please. Okay. Um, not so, on my right hands here. Oh god. <laughs> so he's hit her over the head with a yes. stone in a sock. Correct. The police do visit his home the next day, which is interesting. So they've taken an interest. She's maybe reported it or something, yeah. which is good. Police visit his home, and then he claimed that he only hit her with his hand. Only. And so the police have gone. Well, you were very lucky. You've been very lucky that she's not going to go take this any further. It's of course perfectly normal for a man to hit a woman with his hand back then as well. Yeah. You've got to remember. She wasn't asked about pressing charges though. But why like. report it though? I don't get it. If if she's told the police but she doesn't want to press charges. Probably just like this is nothing, isn't it? This is you know, don't don't waste your time on little or me whilst you're doing fuck all like police did back then. Mm. They were you know, pretty pretty hapless as well. You know, it's a common theme, isn't it, through throughout these kind of murder ones we do yeah. I think. Police, and maybe it's a retrospect thing, but also back then they were bad, weren't they? They did do a pretty bad job. Didn't like, didn't like women. But I thought that what what made me laugh about his defense is it's like, no, I didn't hit her with a stone and a sock. Mm. I hit her with my hand. Still hit her, but just with a hand. It was that was okay back then, though. That was okay back then. Well, it wasn't, but like you know, according to not, I'm not advocating it. No, not. But anymore. it was perfectly normal mm-hmm. to do that back then. It's weird to have gone for that sort of mindset. It's not even that long yeah. ago. No. They are, we were, our parents were born then, around there. They were, they were knocking around, weren't they? That's the era they're born in. Bit embarrassing for them. It you do have to wonder what, what we do now that won't be acceptable in uh, 30, 40 years' time. Yeah. Know. We'll do a podcast on it. We will. Welcome to episode, episode 1,256. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to have his second assault. But there's a bit of a gap, I think, between yes. the second assault. Another so common does... theme, don't you think? Because Bundy or Dharma, maybe even both of them, that they have the first kind of kind of vague attack, mm-hmm. right? Not you don't get into the meaty stuff. And then there's a gap of several years and then they strike again. I do wonder whether there is any gaps in, in knowledge. Because usually when 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 these people they always do get caught, or at least in the cases we've discussed, and they do so they do tend to confess all, right? So I think mm-hmm. in this case, Sutcliffe obviously gets caught. The baddies never win. It's like a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's exactly. such an appropriate comparison. <laughs> if Peter Sutcliffe was a Marvel character, which Marvel character would Good he be? Good question. No, go on. Thanos. Anyway, <laughs> they usually admit he confessed to two murders, did Sutcliffe, that the police didn't know about, right? So usually they like to get off on confessing. But I do wonder with this gap here, is there things that he didn't confess to that he did? We'll never know. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because if if he's got that sort of urge, and there's this sort of progress, clear progression from grave digger, 
spying on sex workers um you know maybe even uh obviously not not killing one but assaulting one there is this sort of clear progression to then have a six-year gap before your next assault i don't know it seems a little bit unusual like you say it does seem a bit a bit strange but what was he doing in that period he obviously got married in 1974 or whatever but and what then else was he doing 1975 in this... the assault happens did that cause it did that trigger it it's <laughs> like bloody hate women it's yeah maybe it was my a... ear off Bad, a bad marriage or the affair or something. You wonder what like sped that back up again. What made him hop back on that roller coaster? Like why? Especially because he was diagnosed with was it schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia after, and then the judge wasn't having any of it. But we'll get into that later. Mm, but it's like that else. that sort of that sort of stuff doesn't come and go. It doesn't go away. You can't switch it on and off. So you know he's a, between sixty nine and seventy five. He still probably has paranoid schizophrenia. Mm. I wonder what. I just wonder what's going on in that. There's a gap there. In the There's a black hole there. Which I don't means like killing. It. Anyway, in 1975, hits one with a hammer, stomach slashed with a knife, and then he gets disturbed by neighbour. And again, this this will crop up time and time again. He he keeps getting disturbed whenever he commits these assaults or very killings. disturbed individual. He is very disturbed. And Tat, yet, the kids would say these days. Tat. In a way, let's modernise that. Yeah, he is a little bit. Uh, and I think that's interesting that he gets disturbed by a sort of neighbour and then mm. just ends up sort of running away, leaving her alive still. So he's going through with the assaults, but he's not going the whole hog. Like, he's still sort of going, I'm going to assault you, but yeah. to no end. Like, just to yeah. get one over on you. Which is a weird mindset. Like, if, you, if you're if you going to kill, kill. Do you know what I mean? Like, why is he... I'm not saying he should have. Yeah, well, that's what it sounds like. But <laughs> but I think if he wasn't disturbed by the neighbours in, in this case, then he would have finished the job, speaking about it. In a crude sense, but it happens again a month later. Mm. Same trademark, hammer the school, slash the bat with a knife. The game's interrupted, a car was going by or whatever, something like that, you know, scared off. Maybe he's just finding his feet in that, you know, like, like I, I'm not completely removed from reality. I understand the consequences of my actions. I better not get caught doing this type of thing. He's not completely insane. Mm. There is that. Just, um, unfortunate or, or fortunate i suppose if you're looking at it from a rational perspective that he got interrupted i just wonder what provoked him into starting the spree because the spree does start to pick up pace i mean the first the the first assault was in 69 the second assault was in july 75 yeah the third was in august 15th and then it was like august 27th october 30th like it begins to speed up very quickly like, there must have been some sort of bad experience in that six-year gap that's There's created a... this you would have thought there's a feeling with the way that Sutcliffe is portrayed by some people that you do, he is a man with no stake in society. It's always interesting how they frame things like childhood. Yeah, tough upbringing. And then they portray his professional life as, yeah, he worked a, a ver various menial jobs. To, to describe a job as menial is pretty, you know, offensive to say the least. Yeah. I'm sure Peter's taking offense to that. But they're painting this picture of him as somebody with nothing to lose in society. But interestingly, he has a wife, so it's not as if women have been rebuffing his advances. Mm. But you have a paranoid schizophrenic growing up in an era where men specifically uh, acted with flagrant disregard for women, you know, mm -hmm. misogynistically. Even the police, you'll see. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's just it's a whole sort of societal thing back then, wasn't it? Where uh, exactly. everyone sort of treated women as uh, sort of second class citizens, especially sex workers. 
which is yes. quite important in the third class, well. if not fourth class citizens at the time. Exactly. Which, as as we'll begin to see, um, yeah. so yeah, like I say, he attacks that that other woman, and then he attacks a fourteen year old, which is a yeah. little bit different than his than his usual uh, that he'd gone for. He basically hit her over the head five times, and then ran off after seeing car lights. Once again, being disturbed by something. Uh, lots of lots of sort of running away after assaulting people. He then kills someone. Uh, he kills uh, Wilma McCann again. Hammer twice, stabs her throat, and then stabbed her like multiple times, like below the breasts on each side, the belly button like nine times. I mean, it's ridiculous. And there was this whole inquiry that was involving like 150 officers. I think it was something like 11,000 interviews that they did to try and find who killed this person. Mm. Failed. Came came to nothing. They tried to find out who killed her, completely failed. And interestingly, um, Wilma McCann's daughter in 2007, so this is like, what, 32 years later, commits Mm -hmm. suicide as a result of largely her depression and the suffering as a result of her mum being killed all those years Mm ago. So it just, it, it speaks to how this one death, one killing of a woman, then also created inadvertently another one through through suicide 32 years later that's how long these killings and deaths last for in people's minds and it becomes ingrained and creates a, a really difficult situation not just for the person who died but for the family as well yeah exactly it, it's it's always there's always interesting debates to be had about dramatizations documentaries that are made because although people you know like us do have a general curiosity about mm-hmm. this and it is genuinely fascinating especially to us you know by being virtue of being from that area but also the fact that more generally the human brain is capable of such kind of behavior but that really does bring it back for a lot of people that have, you know connect not only somebody as closely related as an eldest daughter but also if you have a mate that was you know a victim related to a victim or whatever you know there are multiple people more people than you think initially that are connected to this case specifically is there an argument to be made for, yeah, they shouldn't make the, the documentaries about it, dramatizations about it, even jokes about it, you know, like, mm-hmm. should we be doing this right now type of thing? It's generally interesting though, but the, the effect, the after effects of something like this, obviously, you know, anybody that's lost somebody would know that will multiply that by a hundred. If you've, if it's part of some kind of media powered kind of circus, which it was. Yeah. So there was a lot of ripple effects as a result of this, not just on those that were killed, but also on their extended families as well. Exactly. And uh, I think, you know, that's, that's been clear to see for years afterwards. Uh, then in 19, we're heading to 1976 now. So this is a new year we're heading into, and he mm. does go pretty off the rails on this first woman. I mean, stabbed her 52 times, I 52 think. 52 times, like, at what point after stabbing somebody, I suppose it's, you know, depends where you stab them, obviously, but, like, at what point do they die? Like, at what point are you just, you know, you're stabbing? Pretty early on, I'd imagine. You know? Exactly. So just like, keep, kept going at it. This, this is a 42-year-old woman that he stabbed. Very, very, very sick. And what makes yeah. it even more tragic is that her husband had encouraged her to do sex work because they were struggling for money. Yeah, that was a bit mental. I don't know how that conversation comes up, you know, around the dinner table. Like, oh, yeah, God, we're struggling to make ends meet here. Cost of living crisis. Yeah. Go out and sell your body. And she used his van as well. Yeah. As well. By the, the way, was it the family van or the work van or something? Yeah, like a wee a work van. He's like, go, you can use the work van. A bed in the back, maybe? I don't know. It was like a bed on wheels no or something. Yeah. Yeah, but no either way, like, like, what in, in what world? And the saddest thing is the woman, Emily Jackson, just by virtue of her husband asking her to do that, probably felt as if she had no choice, especially with the financial situation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
terrible to even have to rely on that form of income. Never mind engage with Peter Sutcliffe about him, you know, and then what happened happened. And also it happened, picked her up on Round Hay Road, which is pretty close to where I am from originally. Mm -hmm. Weird to think about stuff like that happening, you know, kicking about, even though I wasn't alive. It's the classic kind of, um, I've been to Hastings today, you know, thank God. <laughs> thank God I wasn't here in 1066 type of thing. Yeah. Like, it was like, it's a thousand years ago. Like, I'm not placing myself there, but it's weird to think about the history. You know, yeah, it is. Particularly when you're up. aware of the the location and the area, yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. It's where you've grown in and around that sort of area. Mm -hmm. Um, interestingly about this one though, Sutcliffe stamped on her, which left a boots imprint. A pretty stupid thing to do if you're going to go around murdering people, so then leave your boot imprints, isn't it? I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. And so this again is another sort of bit of evidence which will then build to the case. This is a very uncontrolled way of going about things. Whereas if you're so on the kind of sociopath scale, the narcissistic personality sort of type of thing, and you're coming acts like this, you'll be much more considered, you're more pulling the strings. Whereas this is very, very uncontrolled, probably not even thinking, God, I better not stamp on her because this would leave an impression of this boot or this shoe, whatever I'm wearing, unless we trace back. Probably not thinking about that. No, I mean, he's not thinking about a lot, but that sounds a bit, because, you know, to be stabbing someone 52 times as well tells us about the mental state that he must be in. Uh, then a few months later in, into May, he then attacks a 20-year-old. Now, this one is, again, slightly different because he asks her, she's, I think, walking back from a party, and she is asked by him if she wants a lift, basically, a lift home, I think. Yeah. yeah he yeah. then pulls over for her to go and have a wee, and then I think hits her with a hammer. From behind, yeah. Yeah, from behind. So again, back to the hammer. And she was four months pregnant as well at this point. And so she went on to have a miscarriage uh, and blackouts and depression. She survived, but obviously had this horrific trauma afterwards. And, you know, not just the, like I say, not just the miscarriage, but the blackouts and the depression that sort of ripple effect, that knock-on effect that he has caused to this person's life, even though she's still alive, still mm. she has now like a daily reminder of that horrific crime. Quite simply, acts like this committed by Sutcliffe multiple times and throughout history, recent history, modern history, by men, let's face it, go a long way to providing an insight as to why women feel as if they can't go out for a walk at night, which is something that I find particularly, particularly grating because I end every day, you know, going out for a walk. I'm acutely aware of the fact that women don't feel comfortable in doing that because of things like this that have happened constantly throughout modern history. It's a bit shit, really, you know? Mm. I've been out at night before walking back from the library at uni and purposefully across the road because I was on the same side as the of the road as a, a woman walking behind and thinking blood I don't want to I don't want her you know being put on edge I better cross over being aware of that privilege is always a very useful thing yeah it's an interesting one now that I've heard a lot of guys speak about doing that or yeah. just like uh, walking a few paces further back rather than yeah. too close and things like all crossing the road that kind of thing so although I've never felt particularly comfortable walking outside but in the dark myself but Probably for different reasons, just because it's sort of night time, isn't it? So everything's a little bit more... Scared sort of, of the dark, yeah. No, not scared of the dark, just more sort of like, ooh, you know, ooh, it's the dark. But general yeah. curiosity about that. But yeah, people, yeah, the, the bad people come out at night time, we all know this. So yeah, I, I don't know. This, yeah. But yeah, it's definitely more of a female thing, I'd say, but not exclusively. Um, if we move on then into 1977, this is a different year. He only did... He only did two attacks in 76, which, again, I think is a bit weird. Could just be a circumstance thing. Yeah, Who knows? I, I wonder why, because, like, 
It seems to vary from year to year at this point, but he ramps it back up in 77 again. He attacks the sex worker with a hammer once again, this time killing her, mutilating her body, and left behind tire tracks, another thing which he then would go on to be used against him as evidence, albeit not very well. Uh, he then killed another sex worker, 20, uh, 23rd of April, my birthday, um, killed a sex worker in his flat, uh, again left a boot print on her bedclothes. So he's not again speaks to his mindset he's not particularly trying to hide evidence that much mm. and so he's leaving boot prints tire marks these kind of things because he's getting away with it he's been getting away for it now for a couple of years maybe even longer if you include 1969 assault as well he feels powerful he feels like he can do what he want because no one's catching up with him he's got yeah. free reign police don't even have a sniff at this point he's probably not thinking oh shit i better not leave the tire tracks probably but doesn't matter anyway. The police kind of, at this point at least, don't have uh, the vaguest of clues to the... um, Also don't care because the nature of the victims that he's been murdering have been the sex workers. Yeah, and back then they just didn't didn't care for sex workers at all. They're not bothered. And they even said it openly. They they had no qualms about it. They said that was the first non-sex worker that he killed, which was, you know, if we're going through it chronologically... Mm -hmm. This one in, in June, 16 year old, not a sex worker. And I think the police said this is the first time he's killed a woman that was innocent, the first innocent yeah. victim, which obviously gives you a window of insight into um, the police's thoughts on sex workers at that point and why there was such kind of little impetus to catch him up until he dared to murder somebody that wasn't a sex worker. Yeah, I mean, it definitely heightened sort of public concern at the time as well, because even the public sort of bought into that idea, this is an innocent woman, this is this is a non-sex worker, and therefore we have to be scared now as well, because he's mm-hmm. not just attacking sex workers. And so it put everyone on edge at this point. Uh, and I think, I wonder what it was like at that time. They've got to think about what it must have been like to be a woman in the sort of Leeds area. Yeah, and obviously it was. I think Bradford as well, a couple of other places, Halifax maybe around that that area. What it must have been like to be a woman there, just not not even just at night time, but just generally walking around. That must have been very strange, constantly on edge. Perhaps I don't really know. Pretty pretty terrifying, especially because the only pattern to this crime at this point now is killed somebody that's not a sex worker is women in the general West Yorkshire area. Mm-hmm. You'd be thinking, you'd be taking, you wouldn't be taking your chances, would you? I don't think. No. Uh, then in July, he goes on to assault another woman. Uh, he was then interrupted once again uh, by this and left her for dead. Um, the witness to this, or supposed witness for this, misidentified the car, which I think sent the police down sort of a rabbit hole of searching for a specific car, which never was. Uh, and there's a little bit of that as we go through this, where police are searching things, searching places where it's quite clearly not the right guy, and they yeah. go off on all sorts of different tracks and really balls up, don't they? Make a massive they, mess of this. They had to get the floorboards reinforced at West Yorkshire Police HQ because obviously back then they were, had these so many leads and so many people coming forward with information that the room where they stored the files, the floor in it was kind of giving way because there was mm-hmm. that much media attention that many people coming forward so it goes to show two things the level of interest amongst the public in this case and the leads around it but also the archaic ways of, of gathering information that the police had but it wasn't as simple as logging onto a dna database or something like that and finding a match or compiling a file on a computer it was physical files 
Also, which makes things so much harder. Yeah, I mean, you've got to just think like, they, I get that they didn't have particularly great tools to work with in order to be able to solve this case, but you do feel like they also didn't help themselves out as well. They got misled quite easily, uh, as we're about to see with, with some of the other information that, that they get along the way. Um, but yeah, they certainly don't come out of the smell of the roses at all, the police, um, despite their obviously lack of information compared to today. Um, October 1st comes around and he kills a sex worker, um, but interestingly gave her a new £5 note, which he then suddenly realises is like, oh God, this is traceable. And so for the first mm. time he's starting to think about what evidence he's leaving behind, mm. which seemingly is the first time anyway. And so he then returns to the body after he's killed the sex worker, but couldn't find the £5 note. And so just left. But he left a family party to go and find go look at this dead body, which he just killed. So he killed someone, went to a family party at his new house, which he was hosting. The family party's over, da, 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 just a bit of dance or whatever, and then goes back to the body that he's killed to search around, try and find this £5 note, which he then goes on to not find. It's just like... Leading, leading quite a double life. Yeah shall we say. Just put didn't find the five pound note, did he? Interesting that he was aware of it, like you said, though. He's, you know, so I'd love to have seen the look on his face when the, the penny dropped. and was like, what about the five, right? Slips or whatever. But of course it was hidden, wasn't it? In a secret compartment, in a bag or something like that. It was eventually found because her body was found. The five pound was then found, which was then traced to a bank. And then this managed to narrow it down to 5,000 men that were interviewed. Body was found by... Somebody who later became an actor in Coronation Street. Yeah, interesting. Played Les Battersby. I remember him in Coronation Street. I didn't realise he had that. You know, yeah. past. I think I heard about that, but I don't know the character. I don't don't watch. Mm. Don't watch the soaps. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, five thousand people were interviewed as a result of this this five pound note that was traced. Five thousand men over three months. Uh, Sutcliffe was interviewed. So brilliant, fantastic. The guy that did it interviewed. New, no, not fantastic because. <laughs> He had an alibi, didn't he? He was at a family party. Yeah. So he couldn't possibly have killed her before the family party. He couldn't possibly have returned to the body after the family party. He was at a family party, okay? Impossible. How many times do I have to say it's at a family party? Leave me alone. And so apparently he seemed quite credible, credible alibi. And so the investigations came to nothing. Imagine that. Imagine interviewing Sutcliffe. He goes on to be interviewed, by the way, nine times by the police. Not a good look. It's not, is it? It's not a good look. Police force. That's really not a good look. Because he then goes on to keep attacking people, attacks another woman. She survives, though, and she was able to provide a description of the attacker, uh, as well as more tyre tracks, which were matching the previous tyre tracks. Uh, and so the beginning to sort of build an idea of who this, this person could be, including a photo fit, which supposedly looks pretty like Peter Sutcliffe. Yeah, I wish I'd have Googled it to see what it looked like. I didn't Google it, but I no, wonder I if there was a good likeness or not. But it says, it says there's a, people say it's a good likeness, so I suppose. So so kind of a useful. And other people have provided uh, descriptions of them as well, you know, because obviously we talked about the people that were fortunate enough to survive mm-hmm. these attacks. So we've got a good idea of what he looks like. And you would think that him being brought in for police interviews and having a good idea of what he looked like would mean that this case would be solved, but obviously not. He's on the list. He's, uh, like you say, been interviewed. Mm. He was all, There was also one victim that described him as having a Yorkshire accent. And so it's like, he ticks quite a few of the boxes here. Like he ticks you know, a decent few of the boxes. Um, he's 
I think there was a car that was described that the scene which also matched Peter Sutcliffe, uh, which was mm. seen in the red light area, and they then interviewed Sutcliffe again, which again came to nothing. So it's just constant failure. The accent thing becomes particularly pertinent, doesn't it, when you have the hoax caller mm. in, I think it was 1979, something around that time, and basically somebody calls the police. I don't have the exact quote, but basically confesses to being the Ripper. Catch me if you can. I am Jack, and whatever, you know, type of thing. And they got know what an accent expert or something to not only hone in on the area, but the specific village, which is fascinating to me. Obviously, you could do that back then because there was a lot less spatial mobility between you know people that move out from their villages, from their towns, from their areas back then. Mm-hmm as much as they do now. Um, so you have a very regional accent. They traced it down to Sunderland, didn't they, in the northeast. It turned out to be a hoax. So once again, they're wasting a lot of time there. With that yeah, lead. this went on for a while as well. I mean, we, we have just uh, skipped 78, but to be honest, not a lot really happened in 78, uh, aside from the police end of the search into looking for this £5 note. So been, uh, sorry, into looking to who was connected to the £5 note. Uh, Sutcliffe was again contacted and disregarded on several of these occasions. Uh, and then in January of 78, he kills a 21-year-old sex worker, hits her with a hammer, and then stuffed horse hair in a mouth, which he got from a sofa, which is really bizarre. A bit out, sort of out of the blue compared to his other ones. Ten days later, he kills an 18-year-old sex worker, hit her five times, stripped her of most of her clothes, and then stabbed her repeatedly in the chest. And then this came to a point where he then later describes this action as... He was now, um, he was in this sort of very much an uncontrollable state and he had an urge to kill any woman at this point. And that's how he later described himself at this point. So that was 1978, pretty much in a nutshell, killed a couple of, of women. Um, and as you say, this this hoax caller comes in uh, after after he killed a 19-year-old as well. So he's still doing the killings and then the sort of hoax caller's like, do you know what? I'm going to now just jump on this bandwagon because it's building. it's been building for a few years at this point. It's been just going on and on, hasn't it? And this hoax call is just like, do you know what? I fancy a bit of attention. I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to pretend to be Jack, as he called himself. And then, just like you say, it just went on to this sort of investigation into Sunderland and then the specific town in Sunderland. And they just went nowhere with it. They went absolutely nowhere. They got letters. I think the Daily Mail or the Daily Mirror, I think, was sent a letter which was signed by Jack the Ripper. It all just turned out to be a massive hoax. Yeah. And the guy was later found in, what, 2006 or something? DNA testing, wasn't it? Did him in. So basically, mm. who was, I think it was drink driving or something. And got DNA tested on the record now for that. And they found that it matched DNA from the envelopes that so-called Jack from Sunderland had uh, sent. And imagine that, though. Imagine thinking that he got away with doing that only 20, 30 years later to be jailed for it. <laughs> mm. Jailed for it. Like, that's crazy. It just goes to show as well, though, if they had the DNA testing at the time that Peter Sutcliffe, back then when he was on a rampage, this wouldn't have gone on for as long as it did. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was it was reopened, this hoax call in 2005, and then this person, like you say, was, was discovered eight years in prison, and he ended up dying in uh, 2019 at 63. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very interesting that uh, yeah, he was charged with perverting the course of justice, which you can understand, you know, he did uh, move a lot of their resources. Moved a lot of their resources to focusing on Sunderland when mm-hmm. that was quite clearly not where the guy was from, That's given the Yorkshire accent thinking about the women that died in that time 
and mm-hmm. police attention was diverted. Uh, it leaves a bitter taste in the mouth. Yeah, it must be weird to walk around knowing that for 25, 30 years, you were the guy that did that. To do it in the first place, he must be fucking twisted. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm glad he got there. Was, there was justice there. Locked up for eight years. One of those people bit, probably... been a bit longer. Yeah, maybe. One of those people who just probably wasn't, didn't have much going on in their lives and was just looking for yeah, a bit of attention, that, looking to feel valued and looking to be spoken about as well. Imagine how proud of himself he would have felt if, you know, look at me, I'm in the, I'm being spoken about in the newspapers, police yeah. are talking about me, TV's talking about me, radio. Probably kind of just getting off on the fact that they don't know it's you. Yeah. Then in 1979, September time, kills another person, 20-year-old this time. The body was dumped under some bricks. This was his 16th attack at this point. So he hadn't necessarily killed 16, but he's attacked 16 women. And this was, again, not a sex worker. Another innocent woman, as the police would call them back in this time. And once again, this alarmed the public, raised the the sort of alarm once again, because it had been a couple of years, I think, since the last uh, non-sex worker. Mm. Um, And once again... Sutcliffe was interviewed twice, twice in 1979, came to nothing. I just don't get how, how are they not getting anywhere with this? What questions are they asking? They've got a asking? photo fit of him, though, that looks like him as well. That's the I know. What I like, is it, is it what, what do you like for breakfast? Like, what are they asking him <laughs> to not be able to find out any information? You've got to bear in mind, he actually matches several forensic clues, and he is on a list of 300 names that are connected to this £5 note. So he's on, on that list of 300. That. You have to wonder what those forensic clues are and how comprehensive they are. I imagine it'd be to do the footprint, maybe, and perhaps the same size, same size shoe or something like that. Yeah, something maybe. But they don't. They don't seem to. I don't know what's going on. It's their job to investigate this. I don't know why. But can you imagine, like, interviewing interviewing the serial killer? You're you're the person who interviewed them for all those years, several times, and yet he wasn't even strongly suspected. Hmm. How is that even possible? It's weird to think that they'd... It's like the fair play for narrowing it down. The banknote thing narrows it down to a specific area, specific branch of a bank or whatever. We can all do and that. And then from there you can... And from there you can kind of hone in even closer or whatever. That's the good aspects of it. And from then it's shit. There's people that they suspect in an even stronger way that have nothing to do with it, basically, if we're, if we're looking at it logically. Shit, weird. We can imagine staring him in the face, interviewing him several times, just not knowing that, oh yeah, you're actually looking at the serial killer right in your face here. Yeah, I think there's there, there was there an inquiry after? I think there was, wasn't there? Should have been. Police practices. I think there was. I don't know what comes out of that besides, you're a bit shit. Yeah, that's that's the conclusion. Don't bother writing an essay, just do that. You're a bit shit. Correct. Then we enter into the 80s, 1978 here. So this is a, this is span, sort of spun. More than a decade at this point, if you're starting from 1969 here, yeah, yeah. into the 80s now. And Sutcliffe is arrested for drink driving. And while awaiting trial, kills two more women in that period of time. (laughs) You'd think you'd cool off, wouldn't you? If you know, God, a policeman, they might be monitoring. They might be monitoring me a bit here. Might just kind of cool off, but didn't, didn't, still killing, still attacking women. Yeah, well, killed two more, so attacked three more women who both who all survived, and then you get into November twenty fifth. Now November twenty fifth comes along, and Peter Sutcliffe's associate, uh, Trevor Birdsell, uh, is now reporting him to the police as a suspect. Mm. Now, interestingly, Trevor is the guy who inadvertently helped him get away in nineteen sixty nine after that assault. 
he didn't realize obviously he was helping get away yeah um, but interestingly 11 years later this is the same guy so it's sort of come full circle this is the same guy who's now reporting to the police so surely he must get locked up now okay the police ignore him <laughs> they ignore him <laughs> you're his friend you're his associate you literally yeah. drive him away from the crime i've got i've got a him. mate that I think is doing this. He's capable of doing this. He's done similar things before. Police not bothered. Yeah, not bothered. I've got okay. I've got a no mate, and I'm starting to think he might be the Ripper. Do you fancy looking into that? Nah, busy. Right. They've busy. set up like a Ripper task force or Ripper squad, something yeah. like this, to look into this specific case. So you've got full time police officers spending seven, eight hours, nine hours, maybe a day at work, five days a week. Looking into this, I I just don't understand. How, I don't know. When 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 an associate is reporting a person, you should probably yeah. take it seriously. So. But of course they don't. They don't once they again. Don't. They don't. It's only until 1981, so another year goes by. At this point, another year going by, uh, Sutcliffe is then stopped by police with a sex worker. So finally, they've got they've caught him about about to be in the act essentially uh the car has false uh number plates which usually isn't a good sign and he then gets arrested and rightly so <laughs> so it's, it's like a... catching al capone for tax fraud yeah basically similar thing happened with bundy didn't it where he got pulled over but not a straight driving or something wasn't it yeah it wasn't necessarily for his major crimes. it is weird how there's definitely like overlaps between yeah, I find that I find the, the threads interesting, definitely. Mm. Anyway, the next day after, uh, and they said Bundy, after Sutcliffe is pulled over the next day, um, after he's arrested, the police return back to the crime, uh, the crime scene, yes. and they find a knife, a hammer, a rope, and then later find a second knife in the in the police station toilet. Yeah, that's a bit embarrassing for them. That is. He's coming to your kind of. <laughs> HQ base, your backyard. Was that up his still... ass? Like, where was that? Have, have, thing. have they not like check, patted him down or something? Obviously not. I don't know. No one's sticking a knife up their ass, aren't they? It's yeah, just ridiculous. Thing. Did you hear about him then being stripped when they did a, when they did do a strip search? Uh, no, go on. What, so they, they, they did find? a strip search. Yeah. And they found that he was wearing a V-neck jumper inverted. Wow. So under under his trousers. He had a V-neck jumper where he put his legs through the arms of the V-neck jumper, and the V was exposing his genitals. Oh presumably, how he was committing these some of these crimes because I think he was having sex with some of the bodies. Was he? Is that, yeah. Or was that, am I getting confused? With another one? Oh no, because he was. You're seeing sex workers probably having sex with them maybe before the yeah. killing. Right. So what? So it's kind of is that like an ease of access? Thing, yeah, like? I think so. Yeah. What? Or maybe he was playing with himself at the crime scene. I don't don't really know. But yeah, he was, had an inverted V-neck jumper on, yeah, or he put weird. his legs through the. the yeah, hands. I mean, there's a lot of things weird about this, but yeah, that is it. Just adds to the yeah. weirdness. But that only came out in 2005, 2006. That that bit of information only came out not that long ago. So yeah, that, that basically exposed his uh, genitals. Basically, so that was very unusual. Yeah, I'd say the least. And then two days after two days of questioning, finally Sutcliffe declares he's the Yorkshire Ripper. He's the guy they've been looking for. Um, I don't know what what questions they're asking this time around that they didn't ask the first. I don't know what questions they're asking the first day. Yeah, if it took him two days to admit it, don't get around the bush. So eventually, questions, softball questions, like he's on this morning or something like that. (laughs) But he actually describes these attacks really calmly. You can tell like, he's mm. just completely cold to it. 
doesn't really sort of register the significance of them. Mm. Uh, and he's just really calm about the whole thing, just describing, just walking them through them. Uh, but it's just, uh, he then uses this, this excuse of God told him to murder women. Mm. Apparently he heard a voice when he was doing grave digging one time, which told him to murder women. You never know whether it's genuine or whether a lawyer has said or you can get a lighter sentence here if you plead uh, not guilty by reason of insanity or diminished responsibility to you. You mm. never really know. I reckon there's probably some truth to it. Yeah. The jury, they're not the jury, the psychologists did. Like four, was it four independent ones or whatever? Mm-hmm. They said, yeah, we've all come to the same conclusion. He's got paranoid schizophrenia. But then the judge was having none of it. And he's like, yeah, well, I've listened to your kind of scientifically based opinions and I'm going to go against that. I'm just going to go do my own thing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, why not? It's a free spirit. Actually. This is my own science. Thank you. Sometimes the science is wrong. Yeah. Basically. Science is wrong. Yeah. Uh, but he describes women as filthy. He said he, he tried to claim he was cleaning up the streets by killing these sex workers, yeah, even though he was also killing non-sex workers as well, yeah. uh, and pleaded not, not guilty to murder, but instead guilty to manslaughter with diminished responsibility and all this sort of so excuse. It's funny when they come out with that, like, actually, it's not murder, it's manslaughter. Yeah. Can yeah. get it right, please? Yeah, please. Come on. There's a difference. Right. There's a come difference. On. In the sentencing? Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so again, using this excuse of hearing voices from God and trying to, like you say, um, get off it essentially by saying, "Well, it was it was God that told me to do this." So, you know, let me off, please. It's uh, his fault, then, if anything. Sentence well, him. Both sentence them both in the same cell. Uh, he then pleads guilty of seven charges of attempted murder and was found guilty of murder on all counts, given twenty life sentences with no diminished responsibility. Like you say, the judge overrules these scientists uh, who claim that he probably does have something wrong with him. Yeah. And uh, but I, I think the reason why this was overruled actually is because a police officer claimed that he was overheard talking to his wife, saying that if I can convince people I'm mad, then I will get less years in prison. So I think they took the police officer's word for that a little bit as well. Probably one of those things that you should just keep to yourself as opposed to... Yeah, don't reveal the plan, especially not with officers around. Don't say it out loud. Come on. (laughs) When there's a police officer behind you. (laughs) Dummy. Idiot. Idiot. Uh, So, like I say, he was found guilty of all, on all accounts, 20 life sentences and then gets locked up and died in 2020 at 74 years old of COVID. Yeah. One good thing to come out of that. Yeah, probably my favourite from home, Working from home and... Joe Wicks Sutcliffe. and Joe Wicks, yeah. the death yeah, of yeah. Peter Sutcliffe. Furlough. Yeah, Eat Peter being furloughed for a while. Mm. Eat out to help out. He didn't get to experience that, did he, Sutcliffe? No, eat in, if anything, not allowed yeah. out. But yeah, died from essentially a, a bad cold that took him. It's just a flu. Get over it, Peter. Should have got vaccinated, pal. He refuses. He refused treatment for it, though, didn't he? Did you hear that? Yeah, I remember that at the time. Because I think yeah. he was in he was in Durham prison, I think, so mm-hmm. the local. Obviously, with me being up there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no. I remember Keep it. all the nutters together. Yeah. <laughs> on. Don't want any of that ventilator shit. No, no, thank you. But at least he's dead now. COVID. Yeah. Later. So you know, silver linings in that. Thanks so much for watching and listening. We appreciate it. And we'll be back next week for a slightly jollier one. Actually, it'll be a Christmas special next week. (laughs) See ya. Gear change.